to the Homestead Connection. I am on the phone with Kylie, Molly, and Steph, and we are here to do a little segment of Q&A with you all, and then just like a chatty kind of hangout. We're coming into the holiday of Thanksgiving. Um, you know, we're like the Wednesday before that that week, so we figured we'd go ahead and leverage uh, the wonderful world of Instagram and get some good questions coming from you guys, and then no holds barred, no things are outside of the realm of discussion. I can say that now because we're recording. Um, and so without further ado, who's going to be reading the questions? I don't know. My, we I don't know maybe can. Molly and I'll tag team them. Okay. Because I haven't looked at them. There's some good ones. There are. There's a couple. There's like one or two questions that have maybe like a couple of questions in them or could have a couple of answers in them. So... Um, anyways, but yeah, we're, I'm excited to do the question and answer thing. It's one of those things we kind of thought about doing for a little while and then we're like, oh, let's do it now. So anyways, I'm excited. Uh, first question is what's your biggest homesteading fail? Ooh, (laughs) my whole life. (laughs) (laughs) I don't feel like I have like one single like big homesteading fail that I'm like, that's the one. I feel like it's so many little things that are, oh, wait, no, maybe my like the one big homesteading fail, but this isn't even to me. This is Nate. Like my husband, this is my husband's fault. This is not are my Are you fault. blaming your the husband? Very- no, I'm just holding him accountable. <laughs> I'm not blaming him. I'm just holding him accountable. Oh, that's better. Okay. <laughs> Yes, but because the very first batch of meat birds we ever raised, I had done so much research on like what kind of chicken tractor we should make, what type of materials we should use, all of these things, and he was going to help me build it. And then when it all came down to the time to buy the supplies, he wanted to use the trampoline base. And I've talked about the fact that we use a trampoline base for the base of our chicken tractor, and like it's great and fine and wonderful. Um, but I really wanted to build a Suskovich style tractor and Nate talked me into the, the, the trampoline base, which was fine. But then I really was like, okay, well we have to use hardware cloth and we have to make sure it's like well-enforced and all of these things because of predators. Cause we live in a really high predator area. And he convinced me that plastic poultry netting and aviary netting on the roof would be sufficient. And I knew it wouldn't be, but he was like really trying to weigh in hard. Anyways, we started with 40 chicks that year and we ended up with 11 for that very first batch. Ooh. And it was because of predator loss wow. so that's like the one big fail it was like mistake on mistake on mistake and then we had like a big loss and then finally we we didn't lose anymore because we ended up making modifications to the chicken tractor that i had wanted to do from the jump you know like the hardware cloth and the correct like roof and all the different things anyways that's probably our biggest fi- like fail slash casualty what's a sketch 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 of it sketch a I can't even say that word. Sustavich. Yes, that one. (laughs) There's a guy on YouTube who he's – I forget the name of his company, but he is like – he has a ton of YouTube videos on raising chickens, and he raises chickens like on a large scale, and it's a pretty big part of like their farm and stuff. He also has a brewery, and they grow hops and all of these things, but he raises a ton of Cornish Cross – and Red Rangers, 
And so he does a lot of tutorials and he has a chicken tractor style. It's just called the Suskovich tractor because that's his last name. But it's like, um, it looks like a little mini greenhouse kind of. And so it works as a chicken tractor, but you can also use it and modify it to be a greenhouse in the off season and stuff like that. I write that down. You can buy the plans and make it. It used to be pretty cheap to make before lumber got so, so expensive. But I really wanted to make that style of tractor because it would be multi-purpose. Where it's like, okay, if we're going to invest the money into making this thing or like making a chicken tractor, then let's make one that we can use for more than like three months or four months out of the year. Um, and so we actually are going to build two Suskovich tractors this winter because we're really going to scale our meat bird production next year. So we're going to run two chicken tractors with chickens basically from April through or like March through the beginning of November. Try to bust out a couple hundred birds. Wow. That'd be cool. So, that would be amazing. Yeah. Right. And then they'll have my plant starts, you know, they'll I'll have my plant starts in them and, you know, February or whenever, February, March. And then by the time I'm ready to harden off my plant starts, we'll be ready to put chickens in them. So that's a really cool hopefully idea. Hopefully it'll work out okay. Yeah, I'm going to look that up. Suskovich. Yeah. Yeah, that'll be really cool. Suskovich. His name is John Suskovich. Um, if you just YouTube him, John Suskovich, I think his name is like, his YouTube channel is like market farming or farm marketing. Farm marketing, I think, with John Suskovich. I don't know. If you if you YouTube him, he'll pop up all over the place. Yeah, that's really cool. I think I think one of my like homesteading fails was like when I first started canning. So like my parents canned when I was younger, um, but I was never really involved in the process or involved in the kitchen. So I didn't really know like how everything worked. And when I first started, I like canned up a whole bunch of stuff and I left the rings on instead of taking them off within like the 24 hours. And I had a yeah. whole bunch of no seals. So like when I pulled them out to use them at one point and I was like, what the heck? This is not, you know, sealed. Like that was a serious bummer. And then it came back to haunt me this year. Um, having, you know, a newborn on the homestead just clutters your brain and things just go differently and when i was canning up green beans this spring or early summer um i forgot to take the rings off because i got busy and the next or like two days or three days later i was like oh shoot i gotta take my rings off went to go twist my rings off and my whole batch of green beans i couldn't even use because they were yeah what? i they none of them sealed and, and you know it's probably my fault because maybe i forgot to wipe my rims with white vinegar i don't know i was using a different brand of canning lids because um, i was given some and i was like well i'll just use these so i don't know there's a lot of factors that could have went into it but i think i was able to keep like one or two quart jars of green beans from that one batch i did and i was so bummed um because you know you put so much time into pressure canning that stuff and then for it to not turn out, that was hard. Well, and green beans especially, it usually, at least for me, it takes a good couple of days before I have enough green beans ready to like invest the time into pressure canning yeah. them because they're kind of labor intensive, you know? I had almost 11 pounds of green beans that I was canning that wow, day. Wow, that's a huge oh, amount. A lot of that's green so beans. Sad. Yeah. It was terrible. So what is so fresh bad. canned green beans are so good they're so not they don't even compare to the stuff at the store no. like in the 
in the metal cans. Nothing They're compares so good. to Not the store, all. but um, oh, I lost it. Oh, what did you do with them? Did you like? Did you eat them? Like, gave them to my chickens? No, because I didn't. I didn't look at them for like forty-eight or seventy-two oh. hours, and after that amount of time like within 24 hours you could have still reprocessed them um but even at that i probably would have been pretty nervous with that um but because it was you know several days after i brought them out to the chickens and the chickens were all fine so they didn't get sick or anything but yeah i yeah still not worth risking especially when you have little ones no. in the house. Yeah, not at all i don't i don't risk that kind of thing i'm like a stickler for expiration dates and all those things like it just gives me anxiety to look at things that go past <laughs> and so knowing that they didn't see oh there was no way i was gonna let anybody eat them so no i wouldn't have either and chickens have a different yeah. constitution than we no do way. so they could eat a lot you know they can eat kind yes. of bacteria intense stuff yeah, they love them. Any more homesteading fails? Well, for me, it was this year, and it was my garden. So I was tickled pink. I took my um, my truck and went to the dirt store. I don't know. I don't know what to call it. It's like a like a quarry. Well, no, no, like a quarry oh, of no. dirt. Like they sell rock, and they sell granite, and they sell all of this stuff. And they had potter's mix. And I was so excited because I had this big – not big, but, you know, a decent size amount of raised beds that I wanted to fill. And then I was eventually going to put in a, a greenhouse. And I had this big, huge plan for this beautiful garden. And I only got like half of it done. But I found dirt where it was like 37 40 bucks a truckload. And it was potter's soil. They said it was potter's soil. They said it was great for your garden. Um, so I used it to fill my raised beds. And then I, I amended those beds. Like I didn't, I didn't leave the dirt as it was. But it was... <laughs> It was not to the quality of what I needed to raise my vegetables. So all of my potatoes came out to be yeah. about the size of a quarter. All of my carrots, because the dirt was so dense and there was no like fibrous material, no like leaf, you know, mold or anything like that in there. My carrots were all of like a half to a half an inch, like you know, long, like the whole, my whole thing, all of my garden was for like fairy people. There was nothing that was edible and I was so excited about it and everything was, even my eggplant, my eggplant were only like three inches long. Everything was small. And so that was my, my big fail. And I just gave up after a while and let my chickens run rampant and they, they enjoyed whatever they, they found. <laughs> Well, then on top of that, you had all of that rain, which didn't help either. So it's like between the poor quality soil and then the oversaturation of the soil, especially if it was really dense, that just makes for a bad situation. Oh, yeah. Situation. Do you guys remember the ducks swimming in the peas? Like, that was great. Yeah. Yes. I will never forget yeah, that. The ducks. I will never forget the day you messaged saying, my ducks are swimming in my peas. <laughs> yeah. That was, funny. That was so sad. That was so – my garden was a huge – and I'm not, like, a great gardener anyway, so – but my garden beforehand, you know, the year prior was so much better. My carrots, I still have them. They're hilarious. They're, they're so tiny. <laughs> what are you going to do with them? You should put them in epoxy. You should, like, pour epoxy over them and preserve them. Just kidding. Don't no, do I want to make a tiny <laughs> – I want to make a tiny stew. I'm going to videotape myself eventually cutting up tiny carrots and cutting up my tiny potatoes, and I'm going to cook them. Yeah. <laughs> That'd be so funny. Stew. A, a tiny venison. 
Are you gonna... tiny little Molly can send you one oh, bit yes, of venison? Give me like, like yeah. this big. I just need like this much. Just this much. <laughs> like a quarter <laughs> size. Are you use a tiny knife. Yes, I'll use a teeny tiny. Yeah, I mean anything and everything because it's like when I when I took my bounty in and you didn't have anything to compare it to. It, it looked large and beautiful and lush, but then as soon as I put like a quarter next to it, it was it showed just like how small everything was. It's it yeah. It was funny, but that reminds me. It reminds me of those little Lego videos that you see people make where they like move the Legos like in an action film. You know how you have to like move one arm and then you take a picture and you move them, you know? And they like build yes. or create like food or whatever with Legos. And it just, that's what it makes me think of when you're talking about making a tiny stew <laughs> and like those Lego action films, like mushing them together for a homestead action film. My onions <laughs> were even tiny. Like every single thing was like a teeny tiny fairy size. And I think I sent it to Kylie and I was like, look at my abundance. We can eat for a year. <laughs> it's just so, so I think I have the picture still. I can post it on Facebook oh or on Instagram. Gosh. Just killed me. They were adorable little carrots and they had beautiful green, flo you know, foliage they just were tiny underground mm -hmm. <laughs> so funny Steph do you have you probably don't have a homesteading fail Steph do you um because you guys homestead perfectly yeah um so <laughs> is garlic considered a root vegetable or is it just like an herb because it's not a vegetable I have no idea that's a great no question <laughs> I think it's I'll an herb Anyway, I think it's an herb. I have been unsuccessful with growing anything that actually grows underneath the ground. <laughs> Garlic mm. is, is a root vegetable. I just looked it up. It really? says it belongs to the allium genus and is closely related to onions, leeks, oh, chives, and shallots. Okay. Yep. Well, um, carrots, I have never gotten them to grow, period. Garlic and onion... I've tried multiple years like this. This will be my third planting of garlic. And I have yet to have a harvest. <laughs> Do they just disappear or never That's pop so up or what happens? Are they midget? Like, are they teeny so, tiny? So I live in Texas, obviously. We have... Obviously. Mild. <laughs> we have mild <laughs> winters for the most part, it, with the exception of like a week of time. But for the most part, it's very mild. That's typically when we get our rain is through the winter. So every year I will plant them after Halloween, just like everywhere says that I should. The Farmer's Almanac, Google, all of it. And they begin to sprout. And then next thing I know, they're just rotted and nothing nothing happens come spring. I wonder if you keep them covered for a long time. Like here, we're in, so last year was like really my first year planting garlic at all. Mm -hmm. But I kept mine covered. And I wonder if you kept yours covered for longer mm -hmm. to help with some of the moisture, if that would help them from maybe like getting too soft or rotting out maybe um i haven't planted yet i probably should because we're already halfway through november um but 
I wanted to do, so I have my green stocks that I don't currently have anything in. And I was thinking of moving them to the back porch. So they're like undercover and I can control how much water they're getting. Um, right. Or just getting like hanging pots. That way the chickens for sure can't get into them. <laughs> That's the only yeah. bad thing with the back porch is the chickens get on the back porch and then there you go. They're digging in the pots and stuff. So yeah, I don't know. We're just going to play around and figure it out. <laughs> I haven't planted my garlic yet either. I should have planted my garlic like two weeks ago. And oh, good. Molly says she doesn't either. Nope, I have not either. And I'm not sure if I'm going to get it in or not, but it's going to be 60 degrees tomorrow. And so maybe I should go outside and plant my garlic tomorrow because it's going to be really nice. Yeah. I purchased like 10 pounds of garlic. I just didn't even know. I like blacked (gasps) out and I just kept adding to my cart and adding to my cart and adding to my cart. And so I have a box that's like a large box that's full of garlic. So the reason I haven't planted it is because the bed that I want to plant them in, I haven't cleaned it out yet. Mm. I basically haven't done any cleanup around my homestead at all this fall, at all. And so that's why. But I'm like, it's going to be too late. But Molly, like you said, the weather is like mild Mm -hmm. where I'm living right now too. And so I've got one, two, three more. At the time we're filming this, I've or recording this, I have three more days of work, two more days of work, and then I'm gonna plan it that first day. I'm off, no questions asked. Yeah. Um, that'll be good. I just I spent too much money on the yeah, garlic not to plant it. Yes. And I'll have so much garlic that if it if Steph doesn't work out, I can just send her a bunch well, of was, mine. There you I go. was gonna say, Steph, do you can you forage wild garlic like in Florida about the latitude that you're in, latitude, longitude, longitude that you're in, they um there's a lot of wild garlic. I mean, it's all over the place. So could you just forage your garlic? Because then you don't have the big, because it's like the garlic is not big and bulbous. Uh oh, my computer's about to die. It's um. It's just long stalks, but it's very, it's very spicy. It's mm-hmm. good stuff. So maybe just foraging for it's the best bet. Yeah, I did find some of that um, this this year. Um, we were just walking around, seeing what new things were popping up. So, yeah, we we did find some of that. So yeah, because it's delicious. I think it's even better than the garlic that we cultivate, personally. Um, but yeah, my computer's not going to die anymore. My dog unplugs my computer <laughs> all the time. So. <laughs> Maybe this year, Steph, you'll go. Gr- you'll grow garlic as good as you grew watermelons. Mm. Well, then I should let Bo plant it because he's the one that did the watermelon. <laughs> How many watermelons did you end up with? Did you ever like? I don't even know. I don't even know. You were up to your eyeball. Did you let some rot out? Oh yeah. Yeah. Like at, yeah. at some point we were just like, meh, whatever. Yeah. Like I still have watermelon sitting out there. <laughs> we nice. used to just sit on our front porch and spit the seeds and then our watermelon would grow. Mm-hmm. Like we, that's as much thought as we put into it. Okay. Next question. What are a homesteader's must haves? Like what are your must haves on the homestead? I feel like that's a big question, but I have my answer and I'm going to say it before anybody else says it. Hello all, Brenna here, and I'm interrupting the podcast for our first ever podcast sponsor. The benefits of having a podcast sponsor are many, but the big one is that we get to handpick companies that provide products and our services that are thoughtful and carefully researched and resourced. 
The companies we partner with stand behind their products, and this one is no exception. 316 Handmaid's Clean Skincare line is everything that you're looking for in a healthy and wholesome skincare product. Our skin is the largest organ of our body, and it is the main tool that we use to engage with the outside world. Unfortunately, it is also the thing we abuse the most. So many of today's skincare products are toxic. They have a plethora of chemicals that you and I cannot even pronounce. And the fact of the matter is, none of it is necessary. 316 Handmaid's Clean Skincare line allows you to continue to care for your beautiful and oh-so-important skin while ditching all of the toxins associated with commercial skincare lines. Are you curious? Are you ready to check out their products? Head on over to Instagram's at 316handmade or shop their products at 316handmade.myshopify.com and please let us know what you think. All of this information will be in the details of the podcast today. Thank you so much for your time and attention. Sponsors like this help us keep the podcast going and we appreciate your support always. And now back to our regularly scheduled program. A pressure canner. That is my favorite purchase of 2022. I use it all the time. It's so nice because you can use it for water bath canning if you want to. You can use it for pressure canning. You can use it as a big stock pot. Like it's super versatile. So like you can use it for many different things. Um, And when in doubt, it's nice that you can just pressure can it if you're not sure how to can it and you just know it's going to be safe. So I I vote pressure canner is a must have. That's a good one. My first answer was like the first thing off the top of my head, and I might think of something later, but the very first thing off the top of my head is a couple of really good resource books. Because especially in like that first year and a half or two years when I was like getting my feet wet and kind of everything at one time, I was constantly questioning myself and constantly wondering like, okay, is this good or is this not good? Is something going wrong or is this normal? And then that was really before I had found like the quote unquote homesteading community on Instagram or like you guys or anyone else. So Google was my best friend. And then a couple of like books that I had and collected over a short amount of time were like really nice to have. Gave me a lot of like security. Yeah. I think that is a good idea just to have some, you know, resources and like I, I have a good resource book for canning that I actually got from like my local Amish store. And this is like, you know, you have your trusted old, old version of the ball blue book. Like this one is Mm -hmm. like that with a lot more into it because it even has like conversions for like how much you need to have for a year, how much, um, you would need to like feed 50 people. Like it has just weird random conversions, cuts of meat, cuts of, you know, from a cow, from a chicken, a deer, like what you can do with them. And so I think, yeah, that's Mm -hmm. a really good idea too, is having those resource books. And like the one that I have for my Amish store is just jam packed full of knowledge. Nice. You know, it's interesting that you bring that up because I collect cookbooks and there's these books that are, and I can't remember the name of them now, but they're women's books. And they're the kind of thing that you would have been given when you first got married and you first moved into your own home and you had a family to, or you were going to have a family to take care of yourself soon. And they literally have everything in there from how to correctly clean your home to how to serve a meal by caloric intake of the 
the need of your husband. Wow. So is your husband a blue collar worker? Is he a white collar worker? I'll have to share it with you guys. It's interesting. Wow. I have a book. That's cool. I have a book you from should. the 1800s. I have a book from the 1930s, 1940s, 1950s. The 1940s book is during World War II. So they actually have like rations and how to cook with rations. And it's so interesting because these days we don't really get those. You know, when I first started my home and my husband and I had just moved to uh, to Georgia and we were really young, we were 19 years old, right? Like I knew how to cook because I'd learned from my mom. But when my husband said, I want a pot roast, I had never actually done one of those by myself. So it was kind of nerve-wracking and these books were really nice mm -hmm. and I will I'll, I'll share a couple I'll send a couple pictures and maybe we can post them online or something because mm -hmm. they, they literally like you were saying Molly when like how much food do you need for 2,000 calorie intake how much do you need for 3,000 and it's all based off of some university that they had that was staffed and housed and lived in by women and they would come down and kind of tell you what you needed to do from a homestead or home making perspective. So that's really yeah. cool that you have that. Yeah, I should pull it out and see. I don't know if it's just local to my area or if it's one that's, you know, a book that's all across like the United States and little Amish stores, but I should pull it out and see if I can find it online or if there's any like place that actually has it. Because I know a lot of the things in my little Amish store, um, look very similar to things that are on Azure standard. And so I don't know, maybe they have it. So I don't know, I should do some looking. Yeah, yeah. And I'll take a you couple should. pictures of the books I have, because once you see the look and feel of them, you can look for them in any thrift store or antique store or whatever. They're not expensive because nobody's really interested. And they really have a ton of information in them. Mm hmm. Cool. Some of it don't do my 1800s book says to keep your eyes white by like bleach and water. Don't suggest it. Don't think it's a good idea. But the way to select your cuts of meat are fantastic. <laughs> so, wow. Yikes. Nice. Right. <laughs> do you guys have any like must-haves? I'm sitting here trying to think of something. I mean, I guess mason jars. <laughs> yes. <laughs> You can, you can never have too many. <laughs> Your juice glasses, that's all we drink out of. I mean, yeah, mason jars mm -hmm. are it. <laughs> yeah, you can yep. store leftovers in them. You can put dry mm -hmm. goods in them. You can hold candles in them. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's, it's that's so a good universal. One. That's a really good mm -hmm. one. No matter where you are, you can actually replace all of your juice glasses with those. Mm -hmm. They're good stuff. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm gonna. But go you do still need coffee mugs. You do need, yeah, because they get hot. <laughs> yeah. Yes. <laughs> Lots of coffee mugs. <laughs> and we know how much Steph values her coffee mugs. Yep. <laughs> I love your coffee mug like stories I do so too. much. I need more. <laughs> <laughs> uh, for me, I'm going to go a little crazy. I'm going to say some sort of poultry. I'm going to say chickens, ducks, quail, depending on where what your living style is, because it is an easy animal to get introduced to 
homesteading. It's a gateway drug. It's a gateway animal into mm-hmm. homesteading. You yeah. get bonded to them, but they're fairly self-sufficient. They don't need a whole lot of attention. They literally provide you food instantly. If you're like me and you're a little bit paranoid about canning, you know, you don't really trust yourself. I can very specific things. I haven't really gotten into meat yet. Like they literally create protein with their own body every single day. And it's so much fun yeah. to watch them. You get so much enjoyment and they don't need a lot. They don't need a lot of space. They don't need a lot of attention. So if you work a regular job and you have to leave your house, it's not like a dog that you have to worry about them being locked up. Like they, they really, they really provide hours of entertainment. They provide food, um, you know, and you really can kind of get introduced into caring and feeding something that will then in return care and feed for you too, um, without a whole lot of expense. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're expensive. Yes, there's definitely costs, but depending on how handy you are and how flexible you are, you can really, you know, you can build a coop for next to nothing and the, and the, the animal itself is pretty self-sufficient in of itself. Yeah, and it's like you said, you can do chickens, ducks, quail, like there's something that kind of meets the needs of any type of property. Because even if you live in an HOA in some bougie neighborhood, but you want to like try to increase your level of self-sufficiency, you can have some quail in your garage. I mean, like Shelly on Instagram, The Art of Traditions, she has quail in her garage Mm -hmm. and they like genuinely, you know, I know they're, they're not laying as much right now, but you know. They go through seasons where they have mm-hmm. tons of eggs. You from learn quail. the season mm-hmm. of an animal too, but yeah, I mean, quail are quail are great. They're right. funny to watch. They are social animals. They will like create their own offspring. They're self sufficient in that way. They're quiet. Um, their eggs are delicious, mm-hmm. and they provide great meat. Quail meat is amazing. But if even if you're not comfortable like necessarily like killing your own you know animal yet, the eggs themselves are great, and you can sell them. You can sell them to local. Um, sushi bars you can sell them to local like farm farmers markets they 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 produce a lot of eggs Mm -hmm. indeed gateway animal all right next question gateway animal yeah all right next question this is like a double question it says when did you start your homesteading journey and what brought you to starting a podcast I feel like we can spend so much time. Did one of you ask this? On both of you. Did one of you ask this? Nope. No? No. Okay. All right. It's Next Generation Farmstead asked this question. Oh, cool. It's a good question. And I feel like there's probably quite a few people that are wondering the same thing. (laughs) Should we answer the podcast question first? Like what brought us to starting our podcast? Yeah. Okay. I don't even know. I haven't even really thought about it. So long story long. (laughs) Short story long, Kylie. Nothing's ever short. (laughs) Long story long, me, Kylie, had the idea to do some sort of like community style, homesteading style podcast over a year ago, well over a year ago at this point. I had an idea. I really wanted to do a podcast. I wanted to create kind of a community for homesteaders and people who are just interested in homesteading or being more self-sufficient or self-sustainable, even just with little things like starting a garden or like getting their first batch of chicks or learning to can for the first time. And so I kind of had this idea, a vision of what like could be this really cool thing, but it was just like 
way too much work to pull off. And I know that it doesn't feel like, oh, putting a podcast out each week or a couple of times a week is a lot of work. But like behind the scenes, we're working so, so hard. It's so much work and it's wonderful. It's we we have like the best time. It's so much fun. But like it's absolutely something that no one could do just like as a one person. And if you so, do props to you. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah if people yeah honestly so then in february like earlier this year the start of the year desiree um Rathjen, who has mountain dog farm on instagram developed her community group and so us girls met through that community group over on instagram and just like really clicked and connected over obviously homesteading and the seasons of life as we are in with our families and our faith journeys and all of these different things so i like threw it out there. I was like, how do you guys feel about like doing a podcast and like trying to develop this little community online and like bringing people together? And they were all like, yes, sounds like a really great idea. And there's been like some growth and change as this kind of came into fruition. I mean, the seed of the Homestead Connection started what, like in March? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Is that right? I think that's right. Yeah. And uh, so we worked really, really hard between March-ish, April-ish, and then launched our first podcast in June. And it's just been like a really amazing, neat, fun blessing. And like us gals have never met in person. I feel like they're like some of my very best friends. (laughs) And we like talk like every day and just through like Marco Polo and text messages and stuff. But um, I don't know. That's how the Homestead Connection got started and kind of, Uh. I don't know. I remember that first fun. call. She was like, would you, would you be interested? It shouldn't be that much work. Like it should be really relaxed and not that big of a deal. And, and you know, low key, no stress. Like, you know, cause we all have full-time jobs and families and homesteads and blah, and, 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 you know, typically yeah. that's kind of like the, the personality of a homesteader. And, and, now i mean i wouldn't trade it for the world i mean literally this fills my cup in ways that my job does not um in ways working with my own homestead does not and so i would not trade it for the world but good lord it's been a lot of work (laughs) (laughs) it's been a lot of work and it was it was like such this vision of being kind of like low-key like as a fun hobby and then as we as like all of our creativity meshed and it was this idea and the other idea. And and at one point we had a whole lot of irons in the fire and we really thought we wanted to do all of these different things. But then we realized that that really wasn't what we wanted and we've scaled back a lot too. And, and we just really love focusing on the podcast. And honestly, we kind of like observed what what areas were growing with the homestead connection what people were interested in and it was the podcast and so mm-hmm. we're like this is where we love putting our time and attention and uh and you guys our listeners like clearly love it too because um which we're so thankful for it's really been i amazing. think it's really cool i think it's really cool so like we kind of try to you know you think of a podcaster and a successful podcast you think of like joe rogan or like for me, I think of the Meat Eater podcast because I love Stephen Renella. Yeah. And like there's those big podcasts that you just know are super successful and like are doing super well. And, you know, you think about our little Homestead Connection podcast, like are we doing well? Are we like making charts? Are we doing, you know, the thing? Mm-hmm. And 
you know, we're in several different like support groups on Facebook where they're saying like, you know, is my podcast successful? I've been doing this for a couple of years. This is how many views I get during the week and, you know, yada, yada, yada. And like a couple weeks ago, we saw someone post that they just uploaded their 200th episode, no, 100th episode. And they get X amount of listens per week or downloads per week. And like, we at that point had uploaded like 26 podcasts and Mm -hmm. we are averaging the same amount of listens that they were in two years. And so it's just super cool to think of like, you know, we started with this little idea that Kylie had and we put it out into the world. We put it in God's hands. And now like, according to the Facebook group, you know, because everything's true on Facebook, um, like that podcast that uploaded their 100th episode with their listens, it was being super successful and doing super great and like all was well. And like we're doing that in like a fraction of the time. And so it's really kind of cool, like just to see it come full circle. So I don't know. And the Homestead Connection has made um, like the top 25 charts in how to slash education on Spotify more than one time. Oh, that's That's cool. Which is wild. (laughs) But I think, I think Molly kind of nailed it. Like she's like, we put it into God's hands and it really is true. We've really tried to stay attentive to way the way God has led us and prompted us and encouraged us. And, um, the times that it's felt like it's been too much work or not, not quite right. We're like, okay, we need to pay attention to this. And by trying to honor the Lord through the podcast, I really personally, and I think the other girls too, too, like we really believe that the Lord will honor that as we're trying to honor him through the podcast too. Mm -hmm. And so that has just been like really important for us to just like remember and also something we're really grateful for. Yes. Yeah. I think for me, what the big inspiration was that when you look at Instagram or Facebook, you're seeing a snippet in somebody's day. You're seeing just a moment in time. And of course, when you put things online, we're all this way. I'm this way. You want it to be beautiful. You want it to be aesthetically pleasing. You want it to fit a certain kind of mold because it's what you're putting out to the world. Um, I wanted to, what was important to me was that I wanted to show people the messier side of things, the more human side of things, the fact that we don't have all the answers and we don't know, and it's trial and error. And our lives are all very, very different. Our personal lives are different. Our homesteads are different. Um, Our personalities Mm -hmm. are different. Our walks with God and with our own religion is different. Our religions are different. And yet we've still come together underneath, you know, common themes, common you know values common joys and we've found different ways to reach different people based off of where they are and what they're doing i do not have all the answers and i am categorically a chaotic mess i mean that's that's my life but as long as long as i'm constantly progressing forward and constantly learning in my opinion that means success and so like to me it was really important in what what means a lot to me is that people are able to see a full spectrum of the way mm-hmm. this life can be mm-hmm. lived and that wherever they fall in it, you know, or if they create a new, a new extreme on either way, it's okay. It's still, it's still a common theme. It's still a common value. Absolutely. So how did you guys get started homesteading? I know we've kind of touched on this a little bit here and there in different podcast episodes, but like, let's just give like a brief summary of how we got started um, homesteading. I'll go first. Steph, you want to go first? <laughs> yeah. yeah, go first. Um, so where do we want to begin? 
um <laughs> at the very beginning <laughs> growing up uh no uh <laughs> growing up i in the olden days yeah, i uh both of my sets of grandparents one set um they didn't really have like a livestock or anything but they had the big garden and all of that and then the other set raised um black angus beef cattle so i was exposed to both the livestock raising and the gardening um from a young age and then as me and my sisters got older we started participating in junior ffa and ffa showing chickens um don't ever <laughs> let those chickens live past the county fair day like if nobody <laughs> buys them just just butcher them yourself <laughs> Yes, <laughs> because we had, I know this is going on a tangent, but out of those chickens, we had the meanest <laughs> and the largest rooster that I have ever seen. I'm not kidding. You had to look out the window before you walked outside to go get in the car for cross country at five o'clock in the morning to make sure that he wasn't in the front yard because he would see you and he would chase you. Oh my god! And attack terrible. you if you didn't make it to the car in time. Like he was, I'm not kidding. He was so mean. My dad would have to go out there sometimes with us with a metal baseball bat. <sighs> The rooster would come running, my dad would pop him and sling him across the one acre front yard. Wow. He would land on the ground and come charging back. I know that! So he was wow. so mean. He was so mean. What was his name? I don't Did he have a name? No. Why didn't you name kill that thing? Beautiful. You can't get a hold of him. He's, like His legs were literally this big around. Like That's a good wow. inch and a half, two inches. Oh my gosh. <laughs> we had the same so, same experience. Uh, yeah, similar experience. Anyway. So so you were exposed to all the things. <laughs> yes, back on track. Um and then my husband and I got married. We moved in together. Um and I wanna say we got the goats before we got the chickens. We might have got the chickens before we got the goats. I don't know. You did it backwards. Roughly eight years ago we got goats and chickens. Um and then other things like sheep have been added in between and all of that. But yeah, we haven't gone for anything else yet. Bo wants a pig, but I'm mm -hmm. not there yet. There's so, a lot yeah. of work. I mean, you know, everything's a lot of work, yeah. but yeah. you have to yeah. decide what kind but of a lot of work you is want. Delicious. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, we have wild hogs that we could, Oh, well, then do those first. We're probably in like another month or two. Yeah. It's not cold enough yet, but yeah. Anyway, and then gardening. Uh, this was my third year gardening, I think. COVID got me into gardening. Hmm. But yeah. I think COVID. Which I think is so interesting because when people think of homesteading, I feel like the very first thing they think of is like sourdough starter and gardening. Mm -hmm. Yeah, probably. You know? And so the fact that you guys started with like goat slash livestock first and have that for years before you really got into home or into um, gardening is just really interesting mm -hmm. to me. And it shows like there's not like a quote unquote formula that anyone needs to follow right. to like homestead successfully. No, not at all. Yeah. I think 
Mine started cool. because my family raised me with a pretty intense distrust of the government. <laughs> <laughs> we there. we grew up amen <laughs> just to put a fine point on it right away um i grew up <laughs> i grew up pretty feral i grew up with a large tract of track of land and um you know we hunted and fished and trapped and cultivated all of our own meat i don't think i ate meat from a grocery store fish pork venison beef or otherwise um until I was 14 years old, until my mom and dad got divorced, really, I think is like the first time I ate a like a you know consistently store bought meat. Most of our meat we we fished for, we caught, we hunted, we trapped, we did all of those things. My dad was big into gardening. He um, when he moved out to the ranch, we had he had a huge like two acre garden, and he grew tons and tons of vegetables. Um, that's a it was massive. Garden. It was massive, but he had all of the equipment from the uh, construction company and all kinds of stuff. So he, you know, he was, he was, he had access to things that maybe you and I don't have access to. But he also had an intense desire to learn, and so he read constantly. Um, so between the the lack of trust in the government and the huge amount of trust in ourselves, we just it's always been kind of a family thing. And so when my husband and I got married, my husband was not raised in the same way, and he was in the military, so we moved often and we oftentimes were living in apartments or in townhomes and military housing and all of that stuff and so i kind of got out of it but then as soon as he got out of the military um you know immediately it was chickens and a garden and you know we, we lived in the suburbs you know we've never really had a large amount of land because uh, my family sold the ranch when i was 18 years old and so we never really had a large amount of land so it was always small amounts of land and we would do a lot with it um and then when my mom bought the farm in 20 15, I want to say, I don't want to mess up the date. Uh, it might have been 2013. Um, we moved out there for a while and helped her take care of it. And then we started in with the pigs and the geese and all of that stuff. And that's where we had our mean rooster. And our mean rooster actually attacked, it was a barred rock rooster. He was gorgeous. Um, and he attacked our son at like two, three years old and got him right underneath the eye, all the way down the cheek to the jawline. Oh. Lucky he did not lose his eye. My husband did the same thing with the bat, but he didn't stop. <laughs> so that that rooster ran around with not even a whole head for a while because they don't have a pain tolerance. They don't have pain receptors in the way that we do, and so they don't have a way of kind of like registering that they're injured. They're they're meant to protect their flock. Like he was doing, it was misdirected, but he was doing the thing that he was bred to do. Um, it took a long yeah. time for that rooster to go, but because he tacked our son, we couldn't. We couldn't let him live. So it's been, I think it's been in my life forever, but it came from a, a, an intense trust of ourselves, you know, and wanting to be sufficient mm -hmm. in, in providing for ourselves. Nice. For me and our family, Nate and I purchased, so we live on five acres and he kind of grew up in the country, kind of farmland. I grew up outside of Minneapolis more of like a suburb type setting, normal neighborhoods and things. And my dad enjoyed gardening and stuff, but 
I would say that I had no inkling to like quote unquote homestead from the way I grew up. And when we purchased our five acres, it was only with the intention of letting our girls be able to like run and play and ride four wheelers and dirt bikes and do these things that Nate did when he was growing up. And then I found that I really liked to garden. So I had started a garden, like I think 10 years ago was my first garden, nine and a half years ago was my first like real garden. And then my garden got bigger and bigger. And then I kind of learned how to water bath can and freeze and dehydrate some of the things that I was getting from the garden. And then it turned into chickens. And I didn't even know that homesteading was a term until I came across it on, on Instagram after I had created like my own little Instagram to document my garden and my chickens and like the things like made me feel really happy and fulfilled. Um, but then, and I know I've like mentioned this before, but like COVID was really the catalyst for us where it's like, we already kind of had these little things that we were doing. And I, like Brenna said, we have like kind of a fundamental distrust of the government and just, um, kind of a wary eye, and want to just make sure that we keep things as close as we can and as full of integrity as we can and just take care of ourselves if we needed to. So when COVID came around, of course, that really like fed into the way we kind of already feel anyways. And we had time on our hands and um, weren't able to do a lot of other things that we were normally doing. So we got more chickens and we raised meat birds and my garden was the biggest it had ever been and stuff. And it just kind of went up from there. And So that's how we got started homesteading. It's interesting how much COVID woke people up to that because I didn't actually start really trying to garden. I've never, I have a brown thumb. My husband has a green thumb. Um, But I, my best garden was those first two years of COVID. I mean, it was gorgeous. It was amazing. My tomatoes were insane. Cucumbers, zucchini, all of those things. It's kind of interesting, like the abundance that comes out of that kind of experience. Oh, yeah, I think that a ton of people were affected by COVID negatively and positively. And I think that for people, you know, not saying that there is more negative than good. I'm not trying to make it into like a polarizing thing. I'm just trying to say that out of that, like really hard season of life, because, you know, it's hard for everybody to a lot of to varying degrees, um, that there was a lot of good that ended up coming out of it in terms of like hobbies or a way to be more self-sufficient or kind of finding new things that people that you enjoy or you know whatever and and that was really beneficial for our family renaissance almost i mean that might be too strong Mm -hmm. of a word but i think it's pretty close to on point of a of a renaissance of self-sufficiency or of uh, of awareness of it you know even if you're not 100 percent there yeah it unveiled the wolf that was in sheep's clothing a little bit i think Mm -hmm. I agree. For me, for homesteading, um, I guess it kind of started, what, seven years ago, six years ago. We bought a 1967 14-foot Forester camper, like bumper hitch camper, 14-foot camper, and we renovated it. And when I was going through that, I created an Instagram about our camper restoration, like, and I started looking up like small living, tiny houses, um, like self-sufficiency, off-grid living, like all of those terms were things that I was searching on the regular on Instagram. And because of that, it really turned mine and my husband's thoughts into, you know, what can we do? You know, I feel like I'm kind of a hippie because I'm wanting this <laughs> small spaces. I want to live in my camper. I want to travel the United yeah. States. Like I want to do all of these things. But that doesn't really align necessarily with my views on 
the world. And so I was like, I felt super lost. And then somehow, someday, I fell across uh, someone who's homesteading but was living in a camper. And I was like, no way. What What is homesteading? Because right now I feel like I'm someone who hunts. I'm a redneck. I, I'm like <laughs> not a hippie. Like I'm a hunting hippie is what I like. I was throwing mm-hmm. around the term of naming my Instagram the hunting hippie because I was like, what else am I? Like I didn't know what I was. And so um, then I got into the whole world of homesteading and I was like, this is who I am. These are my people. I feel like I belong. Like I felt so lost and I felt belonging inside like a homesteading community, which was super cool. Um, and so from there, you know, mine and my husband's mindset just shifted to, you know, this is what we want. This is what fills our cup. Um, and so we live in town and so we have a city lot. And so we have our gardens, we have our backyard chickens. We raised meat birds in town this year. Um, And so we're just trying to maximize and do as much as we can on our little property as we can until one day when we can, you know, move out and find a place and, you know, have our hundred acre woods or whatever we want to have at that time. (laughs) You know, it, and it just, it's, it is what it is. But for me, it was really, I felt lost. And then I found myself because I found the word homesteading, like, that word was like a pivotal point in our life. And it's just kind of yep. cool. I never knew it existed just like Kylie. Like I didn't know that that was a thing. Homesteading to me was the tax <laughs> exemption that you got in Florida. Like that is what <laughs> yes. homesteading mm-hmm. was to me. The way that yep. I lived was not – and the things that I were interest, I was interested in was not anything that anybody else I knew because, again, before the internet, hello, right here, like did – you know, we didn't know what that was. And so a lot of people called me a hippie. A lot of people thought I was a hippie. And I'm like, if you knew the way that I thought, you would not call me a hippie. But, you know, we just love putting labels on people. And if you don't fully Mm -hmm. fit in the label, they don't really know what to do with you. (laughs) And I feel like that's the whole homesteading community. Like, we're just going to stick you guys over here. I didn't even know about sourdough until the end of last year. And I killed every single sourdough. I, it wasn't until I met Sarah from Mountain uh, Mountain Homestead um, until I learned mm-hmm. how to do sourdough. Like I was like bound and determined to make sourdough at that point in time. But it really <laughs> was one of the last things that I've done. This is one of the more recent things mm-hmm. that I've done. Definitely not the last, but. The term homesteading just resonates with so many people and the lifestyle resonates with so many people just the, um, and I think we're a great representation, like the umbrella of what homesteading means or can mean to people is vast. And uh, that's one of the reasons why we love podcasting and like doing our different podcast episodes, like let's connect with this person and let's connect with that person. Like let's hear their homesteading story and what their journey has been like, because they're so different. You never hear the same homesteading story twice and uh, how it resonates with people differently or how it's impacted their daily lives or even the relationships around them. And like all of these things, it's just been one of the best parts about the podcast. Mm -hmm. I agree. Totally agree. We have two questions Ooh, left. Okay, another two hours. Two questions left. <laughs> so this question is: If you could have one automation on your homestead, regardless of cost, what would it be? And I know what mine is. It would be a watering system that would effectively water mm. all of the things. 
like the chickens, the goats, the garden, like all, like all, like we have multiple garden beds. Like we have like a big garden over on one side of the shop and then a massive garden way on the far side of our property. And then like, of course the goats and the chickens and they're far, far enough apart that they don't have like the same, just if I could have a watering system that took care of all of the watering, that would be great Mm -hmm. because I'm really tired of carrying five gallon buckets Mm -hmm. and ugh. I'm 100. Per- I'm just gonna piggyback right off of what you said because that's exactly when. So I'm I'm in the market, right? I'm looking. We're looking to move from Colorado and move to Florida. There, I said it. We've been looking at properties anywhere from like 14 acres to like 40 acres, and that is one of our main things that we're looking for is an irrigation system and water access from a well that is deep enough from all of the different points of that acreage, no matter where it is, because yeah. I don't want to have to worry about water. Water is the biggest thing yeah especially well in florida you don't have to worry about freezing to stuff you don't have to worry about the water freezing but like molly and i ugh, finding a system that works well enough so that you're not having to like chip ice or constantly Mm -hmm. like take it in at night to keep it from freezing i jumped in the duck pond the other day i didn't share with you guys but i was trying to get the water like because it was i didn't know how frozen it was so I'm, I'm still in colorado right now right so it's like 14 degrees outside and and you know some nights and so i was trying to break the ice so that the ducks could get into the water or so that the, the chickens could you know whoever wanted it could get to it and my foot went straight through and i slipped and yeah so i was like butt deep in water that's cute yeah not not no no i was i did not say good words <laughs> <laughs> no good words. <laughs> ice is That's ice so sucks. Funny. It sucks. <laughs> Indeed. Automations. Do you guys have automations? Anything else? Systems? Things you'd want? I kind of already have one in place. I'll tell you about that, and then I'll tell you which one would be amazing. But I have no way, like, no idea of how to set that up. Um, so the one that we have in place is an automatic chicken feeder. Uh, it's mm-hmm. a it's a deer feeder. <laughs> nice. That's brilliant. Oh, that's such a good idea. With the, with the swirly gig and it like springs it all out. Oh my gosh, yep. that's brilliant. I, think I need to do that. I need to do this. Dude, that is such I'm a good idea. That, that is a redneck more. handyman right there. That is brilliant. Well, got it done. <laughs> we ten out of ten. We put it up. Uh, two weeks ago before we went to the woods, um, just so nobody would have to worry about feeding the chickens. So we set it up and poured everything in the top and set the timer and there you go. It goes off. They don't come to the back porch waiting for me to come outside and feed them in the mornings. <laughs> that's genius. You are Rats can't that's get funny. into it to my knowledge. Like, yeah, you have like, that's amazing. Yeah. <gasps> you just blew yeah. my mind. I love that. <laughs> So get you a deer feeder. I'm going when to. When they go on sale. Wait till they go on sale. Yeah. When do they go on then, sale? Black Friday? Probably in like another Black, Black Friday. Friday. Deer. End of deer That's season. so smart. I like that. Yeah. Okay, and what do you want? What's the one that you want? I'm interested now. Rockbind World, yeah. <laughs> Laundry. <laughs> yes. Oh. Yeah. Don't we all? <laughs> bathroom oh, cleaner oh. for me then if we're going there well, i mean it's kind of tied dishes and laundry i don't know which one i want more laundry well no my husband does most of the laundry so for me dishes <laughs> i built an automator for the laundry is my husband 
like the whole thing like washing it drying it putting it away like i just i just don't want to folding the towels like at a luxury resort yes so i know this is off topic do you fold or do you roll fold fold but i would love to roll but the shelves that our towels go on aren't deep Mm -hmm. enough for rolling they roll off same could you not fold them to where they would be the same width of how you fold them and then roll them into a roll i don't care that much (laughs) okay (laughs) so you're saying you roll your towels I rotate. Currently, oh. I fold. <laughs> I fold, it. but it's, it's so that there's a rounded edge on both sides. So I kind of like envelope fold. So there's a rounded edge mm-hmm. here uh-huh. and a rounded edge uh-huh. here. Yeah, yeah, makes sense. You fold it in three. Yes. Yeah. I don't. I just fold it like a lazy person. <sighs> um, like I said, my husband does most of the laundry. But we had a nanny for a while when Nate and I were working really on like unfortunate schedules, and when she was at the house, she would unfold and refold oh, no. all of our Aww. towels so that there was like a really nice, like, you know, so they looked nice. That's the way I am. <laughs> Your nanny needs a raise. If you're listening, please come back and refold so all Kylie, of our I towels. I have a question. <laughs> this is my question. Yes. How do you fold your fitted sheet? Who folds I fitted do. sheets? I do. Thank you. <laughs> Virtual yes. high five. Thank you. Yes, you put the end in the end, and then you make it a uh-huh. square, and then they fold yes. nicely. Yes. With hands in the pockets. With yeah. hands yes. in the pockets. <laughs> if, I fold, I have... if I fold my sheets, because most of the time I don't, but if I, I do know how to fold the fitted sheet, I do know, put your hands in. Kylie's face. <laughs> have you ever? We have two bins in our closet. <laughs> One bin is for the flat sheets, and one bin is for the fitted sheets, and they're both just you just no, just like no, you just kind of and then when it's time to change the sheets, you just look for the matching <laughs> pair. But all of our sheets are white or beige, and so they rarely ever match. You guys are probably just having. An I would not be. I refold all of your sheets. I would go through they your get linen closet. <laughs> They're clean. You can fold them. I'll let you in right now. And you put them on your bed wrinkled? <laughs> because then... I mean, once you stretch them around the corners, they're not wrinkled I know they anymore. Are. They, they are. are. Mine are crisp. <laughs> they're not, it's not smooth. They're crisp. When I get in that bed, it's like... It's my happiest place. <sighs> Maybe in 2024, I'll try to up my, my bed... <laughs> we used to iron them so we'll go there that was oh in my, no i've never done that not not in my household oh, no. but in my mom's household they were they were ironed yeah yeah okay molly what's your automation if i could have any automation it would be someone something to weed my garden because oh, i yeah. despise weeding my garden and i need to do it more often next summer because my weeds were so tall this year can you do that with <laughs> but, a deer feeder too yeah. <laughs> No goats. They'll eat your Boats. garden too, though. <laughs> I don't think I can. Yeah, yeah I cannot but... have hooved animals in town, so that's a no go for me. Mm-hmm. Why? Just do yeah, it I... anyway. I'm about to get goats in the back of my yard, and it specifically says no goats. It's got a line with a cross. My mother-in-law. My mother-in-law works for the city. I think that'd be quite frowned upon. <laughs> no. no, that should work best. Yeah. She's got an in. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I doubt, I doubt that I'll make that fly. Yeah, abort mission, yes. Yeah, the weeding thing is a good one. Yeah. 
Yeah. All right. Are we ready for the last question? I'm ready for the last question. Okay. Last question. Is Steph still going to put up a fake tree this year? Yes. (laughs) No. (laughs) I paid for it once and I use it for years. Yeah, I mean, you kind of have to, but it makes sense. Um, in all truth and honesty, Nate and I were, have been looking at fake trees. I'm like, should we get one? I kind of want to get a fake tree. If I did get one, Nate would let me put it up right now. Mine's up. But man, they're expensive. They're really expensive, depending on what you're looking for. Like, I want the decent, like not even the really nice ones. Just like the decent ones are really Four or expensive. Bucks, yeah. I want to yeah. pull some hills. Mm-hmm fake tree yeah but I. But they're like four hundred dollars for like the basic one <laughs> yeah i know yeah. but they're so pretty the ones you know you yeah. all the hallmark movies they're mm-hmm. just gorgeous yeah. so i will admit kylie you had mentioned i can't remember what episode it was in but we were talking about it um maybe we were just chit-chatting real tree fake tree mm-hmm. i can't remember anyway mm-hmm. long story short I did not know long. that <laughs> Christmas trees, in quotations, were pines uh-huh. because around here, they're all cedars. Oh, I suppose. And when I think of pine, I think of what's in East Texas, the really tall pine trees with the pine cones and all that. I've never seen <laughs> a pine any any different than that. That makes sense. That's wild. Like your geographic location makes you think of it so much differently. Like for me in Minnesota, like we have four foot pine trees all over the place. Like it's not a big deal. Like you go and pick out what you want and it's no big deal. But for you, you only have like the giant, like probably white pine and they just Mm -hmm. are super tall and don't have any low hanging branches. They're all tall. So I could see where that wouldn't make sense. You know, it's funny about those. Yeah, It's interesting because like where I live right now, there's hardly any. We live just far enough south that there's like barely any pine trees here. And that's one of the things whenever we drive back up to Minnesota to see my family, it's like we kind of get to the Minnesota-Iowa border and it's like, oh, there's pine trees again and they're everywhere. And that's just what I grew up with was like so many pine trees and marshes mm-hmm. and lakes and stuff. And then here it's just like I just literally live surrounded by farmland. And so, but I grew up just seeing pine trees literally everywhere. It's funny that mm-hmm. you say that because so. I take it for granted now. But when I first moved here, my face was like plastered to the wall be- or to the window <laughs> because it's like there's Christmas trees growing everywhere because we used to get ours shipped in from New York. Sure. And so a real actual Christmas tree like the balsam or whatever they are that are out there would come out. Um, but they would be shipped from another state because in Florida it's too hot. And so when I came here, we have one in our front. We have two actually in our front yard. And I get tickled about them every single Christmas still to this day because I actually have real living Christmas trees in my front yard. Um, And here what you can do is you can go – it's free for anybody that lives here. If I remember right, maybe it's like 10 bucks or something like that. But you can go up into the mountains and you can cut off your Mm -hmm. own tree and bring it back down. I haven't done that yet because we bought a fake tree. So my – so we have three trees. My my – whole like stipulation for trees because we're kind of a house divided my husband likes fake trees i like real trees he feels like real trees is murdering a tree Mm -hmm. i feel like fake trees is contributing to landfills it's a thing um but 
Yeah, my so. my whole thing is that if we were going to do a fake tree, we're going to do a complete fake tree. And so our tree is silver tinsel. So it's like the whole tree oh, is yeah. just silver tinsel. Ooh. And it's kind of pretty. I'll send a picture because mm. I, I did not love it. And believe it or not, Kylie, I got that tree from Walmart for $70. <laughs> we have a really old vintage, like a truly old vintage tinsel tree that was my husband's grandma's or great grandma's or something. Um, and it like sits on this base yep. that turns and there's like lights that kind of change and stuff. And it's really neat. We have to be really careful with it though, because it's just, well, they so used to old. catch on fire. So because they were, because oh. they were all actually metal, they weren't plastic tinsel like we have today. And so do you have the color wheel? Is it, is there a color wheel that sits yeah. there? Yes. That's because when they would put the yes. lights on, it would cause a, a, a charge and then the whole tree would go up in flames and burn people's houses down in like the 60s, the 50s and the 60s and whatever. Be very Well, no, the color wheel stops that from happening because they're not on the tree anymore. You know what I mean? So <laughs> my mom. My mom's family, when she grew up, they had, she had a pink tree, her sister had a gold tree, and her brother had a silver tree or something to that extent. And she used to tell me about the fires. Nice. Yeah. Cool. That's crazy. You guys, we answered all of the questions. I just looked to make sure that there wasn't any last minute we stragglers. Went. And none of them were dirty. And there was not. <laughs> and none of them were dirty. They were all appropriate. We've got good people. That's right. We do. Cool. Molly, was that last no. one yours? Nope. Kylie. It was mine. <laughs> it was mine. Pot. Let's just get it. <laughs> no. From a real tree lover to a fake tree lover, I just had to give you a little bit of crap if I could. I mean, if you want to get technical, I have Texas Christmas trees all along my property like i have two sitting outside my front yard my front door and then they're like all along the place over there yeah Steph, i'd like to see you try to get a boom truck out there so you could decorate them with lights oh that would be so cool no i'm good <laughs> grinch <laughs> she's a grinch can i come over if i decorate can i come over can i come over and do it sure i love to decorate for sure. christmas i've moved into two rooms so far the rest of the house is not done yet brenna so you're coming to my house to fold my sheets, and then you're going to go to Steph's house to decorate her Christmas trees. Yeah, I can't, I can't believe Perfect. you do that to your sheets. That's just, that's just mind blowing. <laughs> that's hateful. Hateful. <laughs> Maybe I would like have more restful, peaceful sleep. Isn't that like a feng shui thing where it's like the things around you like is a transfer of energy? So I'm like transferring all of this crumpled energy into me while I'm sleeping on these sheets. I don't know what feng shui is. I don't know. I think I just made it up, no? but maybe not. If I didn't, there is let something. Me know. I mean, it sounds legit. No, feng shui. Yeah, feng shui yes. is a thing. But um, there's something about I don't know if it's feng shui or not, but there's something about getting into crisp because all my sheets are white too. Mm -hmm. Crisp, cool, cool like cotton sheets with a nice, good down comforter and a fluffy pillow, and it's all nice and clean, and nobody has touched it. It's my there's like dog hair. So dog hair. <laughs> Dog yeah. Oh, our dogs do not sleep on I do. They sneak on. I was cuddling with uh, with Sphinx the other night. She was like curled. She was laying on her back with her back legs up. It's <laughs> like, what is this thing? It was a dog. <laughs> Too funny. Well, y'all, let's wrap it All up. All right, you guys. You. Thanks so much. 
Thanks for joining us for our first ever Q&A, you guys. I'm sure we'll do another one again someday, but it was fun. Yeah. I enjoyed it. It's a good time. Well, I hope you guys have a great day. Bye. Bye. Hasta luego. That's it. Hour and 18 yeah. minutes. What are you? We talked for seven minutes before we got started, though. You want to so. hit the stop recording? I want to know what she's doing. <laughs> what is she doing. I was seeing if it was thin enough to... Have you all ever done that with, like, a blade of grass where you, like, hold it like this? Yeah. I've tried. I just spit yes. all over the place. Oh, it worked. Did you hear it? I did. <laughs> what are you eating, though? Um, it's a, Mamba's? yeah. What is it? Yeah. Mamba? Molly, what are you eating? M&M's? <laughs> <laughs> oh, what are yes. you eating, Kylie? Pumpkin well, I was Nancy eating just, um, I was, no, I was just eating, um, M&M's, like, just like, from, or not M&M's, chocolate chips. Mm. Um, and now I'm eating... Pumpkin seeds. Oh. I, say, I thought you were eating pumpkin seeds. Drinking vodka and lemonade. Let me do. I don't have any food. I ate a, I ate a burger earlier. Cool. <clears throat> what was that, though, Steph? What were you well, eating? I didn't hear you. A mamba? Mamba? I don't know. It looks like this. It's oh, a candy. Uh-huh. And they're good. I didn't know what that was. They're kind of like uh, now and later mixed with like a Starburst, a Starburst. but like better flavor. Yeah. Butter flavor? Mm-hmm. Better, Better flavor. flavor. Yeah. That's amazing. They're really good. They have banana. Ugh. And I love banana. I can't do so. fake banana. <laughs> or I grape. No, mm-hmm. I can't do fake grape either. I'm a, wow. I'm a fake raspberry, fake cherry, fake strawberry person. Oh, and lemon. How about blue and raspberry? Watermelon. And watermelon. Oh, yeah. Blue raspberry. Blue raspberry is fine, too. I don't. I all I think of, like I love blue raspberry. But all I think of is oh, red forty, red forty, <laughs> red forty. <laughs> I think of beaver. I can hear I that. think of beaver butt. What? what? Yeah, because of vanilla. That's what they make the mm-hmm. f- vanilla flavoring comes from the the glands of a beaver. <laughs> Thanks, Tommy. I won't ever eat it again. You, <laughs> you didn't know that? No. What'd you say? It's true. It's true. Google it. Yeah. Fake vanilla uh-huh. comes from the glands of a beaver. Yeah. I think like everybody knows that, Molly. <laughs> I had no idea. <laughs> so you're eating beaver butt. Zero clue, sir. Wow. Fake vanilla. Have you ever expressed the this. glands of a of a dog? So it's basically what it is, except for like an theirs gland? comes out vanilla flavored, which I think is amazing, really. Wow. Because <laughs> dog does not smell anything like that. Where? No, no, it doesn't. So if my anal glands smell like vanilla, I'd feel pretty good. <laughs> so anything that says vanilla flavor, uh-huh. you don't eat it. Nope. Right. Pretty much, I don't want to eat anything that says natural flavors my, or artificial flavors. flavors. My Google says it comes from, it was synthesized variously from pine bark, clove oil, rice bran, and ling, lingen. Lingen. What's lingen? I think that's the beaver butt. <laughs> Google it. <laughs> 
I thought it was raspberry flavor. Let's see here. <laughs> Lingen, a complex organic polymer dis deposited in cell walls of many plants, making them rigid and woody. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so here you go. Oh, the wow. truth about raspberry or strawberry flavor from beaver glands. The answer is yes. There's a food uh, additive called castorium, which that is derived from That's certain is, glands yeah. of the beaver and can be used as a flavoring ingredient in foods. Although it is a flavor. Oh, hold on. National. It's castorium. And it, it is a heavily scented brown or tan goo. <laughs> <laughs> That's what this one says. National Geographic says beaver butts secrete a goo called castorium. Which is the animal used? To, which the animal uses to mark their ter territory? Wow, and that's Beaver an imitation butts. vanilla. Although it is a flavoring mm -hmm. ingredient, it is not a vanilla, raspberry, or strawberry flavoring as it is often reported. Instead, it is a flavor enhancer or modifier. So it just brings out the raspberry flavor coming from the beaver butt. <laughs> well, like okay, if you went to the store and you bought McCormick vanilla, you know how you can get that bottle of vanilla from McCormick. Mm -hmm. Is that have beaver? gland butt stuff in it if it says Probably. imitation vanilla flavor right oh if it says real i don't do that i make my own there but... you go it says what is, what food is castorium found in it says alcoholic beverages baked good frozen dairy chewing gum sweets meat products pudding gelatin ice cream vanilla flavoring and raspberry flavoring. why is it in meat i don't know meat I mean, why is it in anything but? Well, whose beavers are you squeezing their glands of? <laughs> That's what I want to know. Like, where do all these glands of beavers come from? I don't know. This is gross. Who has that job? Bill Gates' farm. Who's running around squeezing beaver? Beavers are not small animals. They're kind of scary. Mm -mm. <laughs> you know? They probably just kill them. They squeeze, squeeze. Well, that's probably. ridiculous because then it just keeps making the same raspberry well, flavor. Well, wouldn't they just keep them on like a farm and then like milk them? <laughs> oh. A beaver butt farm? <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> we have degraded so far. Here's your blooper reels. We could talk about beaver. I was like, we're still recording. Oh, I leave it on, for, I mean, on it purpose. <laughs> it doesn't make sense. To, I mean, I'm sure they do just... Who figured that out? Expire them. Who figured it out? I have out? no idea. Who said, let's squeeze I'm just gonna a little... squeeze this butt here and see how it tastes. What? <laughs> it's it's got to be a man. Men do weird stuff. <sighs> just because. Ask Bo if he'd squeeze a beaver butt gland. My husband would literally <laughs> never. Uh, I wouldn't either. No, literally would never. No, no. He did take all right, Kyle. I want to go to bed. Kyle was very nice and let, and took out all the guts from the chicken, so I didn't have to do any gutting. Oh, I was like, thank you. That was very nice of you. That was very nice of him. This mm -hmm. says it was discovered by Alexander the Great. Figures <laughs> that figures that makes he would. Yeah, did they he have would. beavers over in Greece? Apparently. Greco group beavers. Going back to your meat birds for a second, uh, Molly. Yeah. How big were they? Like, what was your average weight? I didn't like, weigh. Like, once they were butchered, did you weigh them? 
I didn't weigh them. Oh, really? No, I didn't. The, so I had one. We made one tonight. And it was the smallest one. And that one gave us like a meal and a half worth of chicken. But like all my other ones, nice. we're getting like three good meals out of them. So they're wow. decent sized birds. That's awesome. Nice. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and we did them in a couple different butchering sessions. Like, so we just we literally finished our last three this weekend. How so, many did you end up with? Because didn't you start with fifteen? Yeah, we ended up with seven. So we lost oh, eight, which is fine. But with hunting and everything, I just we couldn't do them all in one day. And this fall, and everything just kept piling up. So, oh, yeah, really good though. Like. I was a little no. nervous to eat them for the first time. I'm not going to lie because I've never raised something to eat. Yeah. It mm -hmm. tasted delicious. Yeah. It is, yeah. It is a it thing is to get over, though. It's different between hunting something and shooting it and then eating it versus raising something and there then is. harvesting it and then eating it. It's different. Yeah. Yeah, you. I took this picture today or tonight. Fresh raised chicken is like, there's just so good. I'm excited to try mm -hmm. and do it. It was delicious. Oh. Sorry. We bought a fresh raised turkey, and I'm really excited to try that because I think we're going to get into turkeys next year. Oh, oh Molly, it looks it's so pretty. good. Oh, I'm not looking. Yeah. It looks like a frog. Oh, yep. Yeah, so nice I, did, I did a spatchcock. Yeah, spatchcocked it, put in the cast iron, and then this is like um our growing uh corn, sweet corn. And I was going to put this on my story and say, homegrown, home raised, and hunted is best or is better or something silly like that. Because it's true. Love that. Oh, you just reminded me. I still have to get on stories and finish posting the thing about the Mylar bags. So I got to go. Good job. Hold on. The castorium. Is that how you say that? That's not how you castorium. say it. Castorium. Anyway, regardless. I don't know. I'll, whatever. Kylie's one. Castor cum is what this says. <laughs> Oh no! What did you just say? It's an E. I'm sorry. It's an E. It does not look like an E in the font. That they <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so I didn't think that, those words would ever come out of her mouth. She's turning red. Look at her neck. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that secretion is. <laughs> Tell us about the castor cum secretion. Stuff. <laughs> crying. Oh. <laughs> now I'm glad you're it's recording. It's what makes them waterproof. <laughs> oh no. Oh man. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> did the castor cum secretion makes it waterproof? All right, all right. Yeah. Anyway, so yeah, it's it's a water repellent. <laughs> We need like I think of like I think in emojis now and we need that little like water squirt one that people use whenever it's supposed to be. Only it's brown. Oh no. <laughs> oh. Ow. Okay. It was an E, but it looked like a C. I'm sorry. No, it's castor it's castor cum from here on out. That's it. 
<laughs> and then she rolls into secretions. <laughs> That's what it said. <gasps> Words we never okay. thought would come anyway. out of Steph's mouth. <laughs> yeah. Chalk that up. Thank you. You need that bookmark? Jesus says he's judging you. <laughs> oh. Just kidding. It'll be okay. It'll be okay. <sighs>